Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, entitled Uterine Fibroids, Focus on Medical Management, is provided by Omnia Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Thank you for joining us. This is CME for ReachMD. I'm Dr. Linda Bradley. During this program, we will look at the presentation of uterine fibroids, techniques for diagnosis and counseling, and medical treatments that can help reduce symptoms and increase the quality of life for patients. Lyomyoma, or uterine fibroids, are the most common uterine growths found in women. They are influenced by hormones. While our understanding of uterine fibroids is incomplete, we do know that they are an equal opportunity disease, affecting all women across ethnic and racial categories. Using ultrasound imaging, we know that by the age of 50 years, that 70 to 80% of women demonstrate imaging findings consistent with uterine fibroids. Fortunately, most women have no symptoms. Among the women with fibroids who present with symptoms, the following chief complaints may encourage a woman to see us in our office. These include abnormal uterine bleeding, including heavy, prolonged, or aberrant bleeding, passage of blood clots. As fibroids enlarge, pelvic pain, dysmenorrhea, and lower back pain may ensue. Bulk symptoms from enlargement of uterine fibroids, including pressure on the bladder with urinary frequency, urgency, and urinary retention, and bowel complaints, including constipation, tenismus, and straining to affect a bowel movement with the development of hemorrhoids. Due to uterine volume increase, patients may note an increase in abdominal girth with the complaints of looking pregnant or filling an abdominal mass. Infertility may be associated with uterine fibroids. Patients may experience painful sex. Risk factors associated with the development of uterine fibroids include women of the African diaspora, family history, obesity and overweight, low vitamin D levels, nulliparity, increased age, and early menarche. As healthcare providers who see women with fibroids, it is critical to assess the impact on the quality of life that a symptomatic patient experiences. Query and determine if your patient has any of these concerns. Is she socially embarrassed by flooding blood, gushing blood, clotting, having accidents? Does she experience disruption, decrease, or curtail activities, including her work, hobbies, and sexual function? Does she experience mood changes due to impairment of activities due to body image or overall health? So how do we diagnose fibroids? Once the diagnosis of fibroids is suspected by history and or physical examination, confirmation of the etiology of her symptoms requires imaging hysteroscopy, transvaginal ultrasound, and saline infusion sonohysterography, or SIS, are most commonly used. Transvaginal ultrasound and saline infusion sonogram are helpful to exclude the possibility of other uterine or adnexal masses. Transvaginal ultrasound has high sensitivity, about 95 to 100%, for detecting myomas in uteri that are less than 10-week size. However, localization of unique fibroids is not as accurate and is limited when a patient has a uterine size of greater than 10 weeks gestational size or when there are innumerable fibroids. Transvaginal ultrasound technology is the most widely used modality due to its availability and cost effectiveness. 
Saline infusion sonography or sonohistorography improves characterization of the extent of protrusion into the endometrial cavity by submucous myomas and allows identification of intracavitary lesions not seen on routine ultrasonography. By using SIS, a gynecologist can adopt the FIGO classification, which elucidates individual fibroid size, but more importantly, location of uterine fibroids and the relationship to the endometrial cavity. CAT scan imaging has little clinical utility in delineating the position of fibroids relative to the endometrium or myometrium. So let's look at these ultrasound figures. On the left, the sagittal transvaginal view shows a hypoechoic endometrial thickening as marked by the arrowheads. On the right, the sagittal SIS shows a submucosal or intracavitary fibroid. It's either a FIGO type 0 or type 1 with a thin overlying endometrium, as you can see with the cursors. On this slide, the MRI image and ultrasonography are often used for pre-surgical planning of complex gynecologic cases. This MRI image of a patient with a symptomatic uterine fibroid depicts a uterine size that extends near umbilicus. These images are helpful to the gynecologic surgeon to determine the surgical approach for uterine conserving options, including myomectomy. This fibroid is multilobulated and measures 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters by 16 centimeters with multiple intramural fibroids. And there is one submucosal FIGO type 2 fibroid displacing the fundal region of the endometrium inferiorly. The philosophic goals of patient-centric care include the following caveats. Shared decision-making with the patient. Clarify the patient's goal. Clarify the patient's priorities. Offer alternatives that would likely improve her symptoms and improve the quality of her life. Relieve symptoms such as heavy bleeding, pain and pressure. Improve anemia. Avoid surgical intervention for patients who request non-surgical interventions. Prevent regret for patients who desire uterine conserving procedures. Prevent regret for those still contemplating pregnancy. So the philosophical goals of therapy also would allow the patient to experience improvement in clinical symptoms and decide if continued therapy is acceptable. Permit time to consider other alternatives. Use therapy to bridge from one treatment modality to others. Correction of anemia. Bridge from perimenopause to menopause. Improve comorbidities. With medical therapy, the patient will need fewer office visits and may be followed up with virtual visits, thereby alleviating concerns about hospitalizations, multiple office visits during the COVID-19 pandemic. So what are medical options for uterine fibroids? They include non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or NSAIDs, combined estrogen progesterone contraception, progesterone-only intrauterine device, progesterone-only contraception, aromatase inhibitors, antifibrinolytics, GnRH agonist versus antagonist, mechanism of action and clinical landscape. The agonists, how do they work? By downregulating estrogen and progesterone production, they produce short-term flare in LH and FSH levels, decreased stimulation of hormone receptors, improve bleeding and anemia. The antagonists downregulate hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, lack immediate flare effects, can be given with add-back therapy to attenuate 
menopausal symptoms and impact on bone mineral density, improve bleeding and anemia. The GnRH antagonists add to our armamentarium of safe, rapidly effective oral medical therapy for women with uterine fibroids. Thank you for watching. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Omnia Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to ReachMD.com slash Omnia. Thank you for listening.